0: Let me tell you a story. Podcast number fifty-seven.
1: It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael.
2: It was the age of wisdom Some years it ago. Was the age of wisdom. Never mind. It is a truth universally acknowledged. You Have
3: nothing to You don't know about me without you. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with hosts Steve and Becky Lyle. Settle back into your seat, step onto your favorite fitness machine, or lace up your walking shoes, and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors. Hi, this is Steve.
1: Hi, this is Becky. We're switching back to a Christmas theme with this episode, and we're excited to have a guest author with us, Angela Wu Strong. During past episodes of Let Me Tell You a Story, Steve and I have read from several of her books. But today, she's joined us in our living room studio. So welcome, Angela, and thank you for taking the time during the busy holiday season to drive across town through the snow to read for us today.
4: Thanks, Becky. It's so fun to be here.
1: Today, uh, you'll be reading uh, from your recent Christmas Center novel, Finding Love in Big Sky, Montana. But first, tell us about your writing journey and your other books.
4: Well, it's kind of fun because this book is a sequel to my very first novel that I ever sold that came out in 2010. And um, that was a great experience. But since then, the publisher shut down and um, I parted ways with my agent and the book went out of print. So it was kind of, well, pretty much dead, dead, dead. And then through some circumstances, I met Marilee Farrell, who publishes with Mountain Brook, Inc., and she had the idea of re-releasing the book as a part of a series, because the first one was Love Finds You in Sun Valley, Idaho. So we're re-releasing it as Finding Love in Sun Valley, and then we're making it part of a Resort to Love series. So this next one is my Christmas story. It's Finding Love in Big Sky, Montana. And then in the spring, I'll have Finding Love in Park City, Utah coming out. But between my first novel and, and this series, I did a series for kids, which I believe is what they read from. The Snowball Fight Professional was that book. And and then I did novella collection with some friends here in town who also write romantic suspense because I have a romantic suspense novel coming out with love-inspired suspense next month or next year in a couple months as well. So it's been a lot of fun.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about Finding Love in Big Sky, Montana?
4: So in writing a second novel to a book that I'd written six years ago, it's, it's the younger brother of the main character in Finding Love in Sun Valley. So I went back and I revisited Finding Love in Sun Valley to find out more about him, to think what his story might possibly be about. And two things stood out to me. He had moved to the big city, moved to Chicago to uh, work in advertising, and he'd been pretty successful. But before that, he had been a bull rider. And so those are such big differences in, um, in what he was doing and what he's doing. And so I decided to bring him—well, he's headed home for Christmas home to Sun Valley, but ends up in a uh, big sky. So he's kind of coming home, kind of revisiting his roots, which is when he meets Paisley or re-meets Paisley. He knew her in, in high school, and she has just inherited her grandfather's ranch, which is about horses. And so it's, it's really fun, a Christmas story on Bright Star Ranch, which has to do with the Christmas star— Um, but the thing about writing about a ranch is I don't know anything about horses. So I I did, Becky would know all kinds of things being, writing about Wyoming ranches, I would think, but I knew nothing. So I had some writer's block and I ended up going to a, a friend's farm to visit and she taught me everything I needed to know.
1: Very cool. I remember the first book, um, how much fun that was. So I'm guessing this is a really fun book too. So I think this is a great time for you to go ahead and read for us.
4: All right, so this is Chapter 1 in Finding Love in Big Sky. And I will say real quick that it is a fun book because Becky said she thinks it might be fun. It is fun, and it's so fun that it's been picked up for, well, the film rights have been picked up by a producer. So I'm hoping that it'll get made into a TV movie. So here we go. Paisley Sheridan pinned her last help wanted flyer to the bulletin board between an advertisement for Breakfast with Santa and free ski passes to Military Appreciation Day. Maybe next year she'd have time for holiday fun, but this year she had work to do and she needed to hire someone to help her do it. She stepped back and took a deep breath. Was she really ready for this? Did she have what it took to reopen Grandpa's old ranch? Only one way to find out. Hopefully she'd get a response to the flyers she'd hung all over town. For now, she'd reward her efforts with a sugar-free cream cheese croissant and warm up with a cappuccino. She'd purposefully made the coffee cottage her final stop as Dot and Annabelle were sure to want to play 20 questions. Let's see it! Dot clapped her hands and stepped from behind the counter to get a better look at the advertisement. Though the woman was close to Grandpa Johan's age when he died, she had more energy than Paisley. Her friend Annabelle followed, pink cowboy boots clacking. It's very lovely. How many people are you hiring? Paisley scrunched her nose. She only had the money for a single employee until the bank loan came through. If that wasn't enough, maybe she could recruit an intern. One person at the moment, I need someone to help me host birthday parties and guide sleigh rides while I get ready for the building expansion in the spring. Dot squealed, that sounds like so much fun, hire me! Paisley couldn't help smiling at the memory of Dot trying to put a saddle on backwards the one time she'd visited the ranch. You already have a job. Oh yeah. Yeah. Annabelle smacked her business partner's shoulder before turning to face Paisley. So, what are you building? Talking about her plans made them much more real. This was really happening. Four cabins and a chapel slash cafeteria, and I'll be opening up the pond for ice skating in December to draw tourists and get publicity. Grandpa had it all planned, but never got around to it. Annabelle's fake red hair brushed her shoulders as she nodded seriously. I love skating rinks. Did you know I used to figure skate? Paisley laughed. Paisley laughed. Enthusiasm for life was contagious. I had no idea, Annabelle, but I can picture it. The woman would have been a beauty when she was younger, and out of the pair of store owners, she was the one with the tenacity to compete seriously. Dot was more the performer. Oh, you don't have to picture it. I've got photographs. Annabelle trotted out through the back door, presumably to the upstairs apartment she shared with Dot. Paisley glanced at her watch. Can I get a cream cheese croissant while I wait to see Annabelle's pictures? She enjoyed the socializing as much as she enjoyed the fresh pastries filling the air with their sweet scent, but her day demanded she enjoy them at the same time. Yes, yes, in a moment, Dot reached up to grab the brim of the knit newsboy hat she wore over spiky silver hair. But first, I have to show you a picture of my own. She whipped off the cap and spun to reveal where she'd shaved the back part of her head to have a cross tattooed on her skull. Paisley blinked in shock, thanking God that Dot was facing the other direction and couldn't see her reaction. Dot pivoted around. Paisley forced the corners of her lips to turn up in a smile. She had to say something, but what? I got a tattoo! That much was obvious, though the reason behind such an act was not. Why did you put it on your head? Dot shrugged. I figured if I didn't like it, I could grow my hair over it, and nobody would ever have to look at it again. Of course. Earl used to make fun of me because I was afraid to get tattoos. Well, he has no room to talk now. Paisley's toes curled in her boots at the thought of the pain that surely came with needles to the scalp Dot really went to extremes to get over an ex Paisley wasn't that bad, was she? Moving to a different state and reopening the ranch at a retreat center and kids' camp was something she'd have loved to do anyway And it wasn't going to bring her pain, only healing Didn't that hurt, she asked Sweetie, I wanted to kick that tattoo artist in his face Paisley choked on her spit at the image You didn't, did you? I couldn't, he was behind me That's a relief. Paisley pulled a scarred wooden chair out from a nearby table to take a seat. She didn't want to be standing for any more outrageous news. The skin around Dot's eyes crinkled into a familiar pattern as she grinned. Snake is a marvelous man, actually. I can't believe he doesn't own a Harley. Anyway, he's going to let me be his apprentice. Sitting wasn't enough. Paisley also needed to clean out her ears, because she couldn't have heard that correctly. You're going to... You're going to become a tattoo artist? "'Yes, siree. It will have to be a side job. Good thing I didn't take your horse ranch position.'" Paisley stared. "'Good thing.'" "'But before I start at the tattoo parlor, Snake has me taking art classes first. Saved by the clack of Annabelle's boots. "'We're both taking art classes. Invite her to the Christmas art show this weekend, Dot.'" "'You have to come see our art sometime this weekend.'" "'That was better than having Dot want to practice tattoo design on her body.'" "'Sure, I'd love to.'" Dot clapped again before scampering behind the counter to retrieve Paisley's order. Then both women leaned over her shoulders as Annabelle shared the newspaper clippings. According to photo captions, the woman had been an Olympic hopeful in the 60s. Who'd have thought? The bell tinkled above the front door and cold air rushed in to announce the entry of a group of skiers. Dot and Annabelle scurried back to work, leaving Paisley to eat her croissant and read the articles in peace. Except she didn't. She watched the older women laugh and joke and charm their customers. They were single like her, but they weren't alone. They had each other. Paisley might have a purpose, but she didn't have anybody to share it with. Not even family, as mom had died years ago, and she'd been glad to leave her dad in Sun Valley. That's what she wanted for Christmas. A friend who not only cared about her big ideas, but pursued them alongside her. A person who made her a better person. A friend who took her mind off the ache of emptiness that came with a canceled wedding. Joshua Lake's whole body ached with exhaustion. He blinked awake and tightened his grip on the steering wheel. How long had he been driving now? The sun had recently come up to reflect off the snow and blind him, proving he successfully pulled his first all-nighter since college, though he doubted anyone would call him a success. He glanced at the dashboard clock, 10 in the morning. That meant he'd been behind the wheel for almost 24 hours, practically a whole day, worst day of his life. Josh shifted his weight from the numb butt cheek to the other, then arched his back to stretch his sore spine. He pressed the window lever in hopes of reviving himself with crisp mountain air. He was used to the icy wind, but the sweet, earthy scent of pine trees stung his nostrils. He definitely wasn't in Chicago anymore. According to the GPS screen on his dashboard, he had another five hours until he reached Trayson's house in Sun Valley, Idaho. Which was worse, driving five more hours or facing his brothers with their questions of why he'd had to drive in the first place? He'd always been the prosperous brother, first the cocky bull rider, then the big city businessman, yet now he didn't have enough money to spend the night in a cheap hotel. Not that there were going to be any cheap hotels in the next town of Big Sky, most gorgeous ski resort he'd ever visited back when he could afford it. Dare he pull his brand-new Mercedes to the side of the road and recline the seat for a little shut-eye, huddled underneath his goose-down parka? Or should he muscle through with the radio blaring and the caffeine pumping in his veins? He cranked up the volume to yet another station playing holiday music to inspire himself to sing along. But all the cheerful songs started sounding the same after a while. Where was Elvis's rendition of Blue Christmas when he needed it? He squared his jaw as he rounded a bend. The Coffee Cottage as close to an oasis as he could get in the frozen landscape. The small brown coffee shop looked more like a house than a business, with its bright red trim and steep blue metal roof peeking out from a blanket of snow. White twinkle lights and a wicker reindeer on the steps gave it a girly feel, but surely the owners could sell him a manly cup of black coffee. He glanced at the coins in his center console. That's all he'd been able to afford anyway. He slowed to pull off the road and parked, then scooped the change into his pocket and unfolded his limbs from the front seat. Too bad he'd traded in his Lexus for this new lease. Now he couldn't even sell his car to get a little cash. He was that pathetic. Snow crunched under his feet. He'd forgotten what silence sounded like. It made him itch with apprehension. The bell over the bright red door jingled as he entered, slicing through the quiet like an alarm clock. If only he could wake from this nightmare. Joshua Lake. Someone recognized him? His nightmare was getting worse. That voice, that tone, where had he heard it before, and why was he hearing it in big sky? He scanned the room. Two grandmothers, dressed like high schoolers, twittered and gabbed from behind the counter. One glanced his way for a moment before focusing back on the group of men laughing at their antics. There, with her elbows propped on a nearby table, her amber eyes focused on him. Where had he seen those freckles before? Sheridan Ranch. Paisley Sheridan. She'd been a little behind him in school, in Sam's class, if he remembered correctly and seemed to avoid him when he'd worked with her dad. He'd gotten the impression it was because she was disgusted with all the girls he dated as a teenager, but he was a changed man now. Not that Paisley's opinion mattered. Or it shouldn't matter. So why did he cringe at the idea of admitting to her he was broke and alone at Christmas? He didn't actually have to admit he was broke, did he? He'd turn on the charm and keep the conversation focused on her. He'd make her like him, then maybe he'd like himself a little better. "'Paisley Sheridan, what are you doing here? "'Aren't you supposed to be on top of a Christmas tree "'this time of year?' "'Paisley fought the urge to roll her eyes. "'He was calling her an angel? "'Figured. "'Most girls from high school would have blushed "'and giggled at such a line, "'but that had never been their relationship. "'And ten years later, Josh should know "'not to expect anything else from her. "'What are you doing here? "'Aren't you supposed to be giving Mary a ride to Bethlehem?' "'One corner of his mouth curved up as he sauntered her way. "'His eyes narrowed in scrutiny.' "'Are you calling me, Anne?' "'Yes. "'Same old Paisley, same old Josh.' "'A warm current zipped through her body, "'like that day when she was eight "'and she'd touched the electric fence "'even though Dad told her not to. "'This was worse. "'Of all the times for Josh to show up in her life, "'it had to be right after she swore off men. "'She'd wanted a friend, "'but not one whose kiss made her feel "'as if her blood sugar dipped too low. "'Of course, there was no reason "'they ever had to see each other again. "'He was probably only in town for the holidays, "'maybe even on his honeymoon.' After all, he'd been engaged the last time she'd spoken with with his brother. Goodness, she shouldn't be thinking about kissing him at all. There wasn't any mistletoe around, was there? She did a quick scan of the doorways to make sure she was safe, for the moment. Mm -hmm. Though she'd retrieved a tube of lip gloss from her pocket because her lips felt dry all of a sudden. Seriously, what are you doing here? Vacation? He pressed. You must be doing well for yourself. Not yet, but she was living in a spot where others vacationed. That was pretty good, right? She'd tell herself it was. She glazed the makeup wand over her lips, then rubbed them together. I inherited my grandpa's ranch. He planted one palm on the back of the chair across from her and leaned onto it as if he needed it to hold him up. What an opportunity, Dot appeared. It is. Paisley's turning the ranch into a retreat center and camp. It's going to be great. I'd go work for her myself if I wasn't already training to become a tattoo artist. Paisley stuck her lip gloss back in her pocket. She might not have to talk to Josh after all. Dot could do it for her. Paisley would sit back and enjoy the entertainment of Josh's expression as he struggled with how to respond to the shop owner. His eyes widened, and they looked a little bloodshot for some reason. What an opportunity, he said again. Was he okay? Dot clapped her hands. Oh, Joshua, you have to see my tattoo. She whirled and removed her hat all in one motion. Paisley dragged her eyes from Josh to frown up at Dot. How did they know each other? you know him? Had Josh been coming to the shop regularly? Had he moved to Big Sky? That meant there would be the chance of running into him repeatedly. She might have to start starving her sweet tooth to keep that from happening. I do now. Dot sat her hat back on her head. I heard you call him by name when he entered, and I'm sure we are going to be the best of friends. She looked over her shoulder at the man in question. You like tattoos and coffee, right, Joshua? There was that half smirk again. His gaze dipped to Paisley for a second. Love them. How much for a cup of black coffee? First cup is always free for Paisley's friends, Annabelle called from behind the counter. She poured him a steaming mug. Paisley pressed her lips together to keep from arguing that he wasn't her friend. She didn't need the older woman to admonish her for being such a Grinch, and she didn't want to answer any questions about what kind of relationship she used to have with Josh, especially in front of him. Josh stuck a hand in his pocket, and coins clinked. Somehow, paying for coffee with change didn't match the image she had of the same old Josh— And where was that fiancé of his? Back in Chicago? Had he left her there for a reason? Paisley should have gotten a look at his ring finger before his hand disappeared from view. "'That's really nice of you, ma'am. Could I possibly get the coffee to go? I've been driving all night, and I have five more hours until I reach Sun Valley.' "'What?' Dot took the words right out of Paisley's mouth, though Paisley wouldn't have had quite the volume or dramatic flair. Paying for coffee with change was one thing, but driving cross-country? According to Josh's little brother Sam, Josh always flew first class— And besides, driving straight through from Chicago by himself wasn't safe. That's not safe. I know. Josh shifted his weight. He looked out the window, then at Paisley. The last pass was closed, otherwise I'd be there by now. Paisley tilted her head. Something was off. Annabelle clomped over and held out the paper cup he'd requested. Aren't you exhausted? You should really get some sleep. All three women watched as he took a sip. He didn't seem as comfortable with the female attention as Paisley remembered. He cleared his throat. I'll sleep when I get there. I doubt there are any hotel rooms open here as it's ski season and all. Not true, Dot turned from Josh to Annabelle. That's not true, is it? Didn't Hazel say there was a cancellation at our bed and breakfast this morning? Annabelle nodded. Yes, I believe she did. I'll go call her right now and wait. Josh scrunched his eyebrows together and rubbed a couple of fingers to his temple. No wedding band. Not that it mattered. Maybe he lost the ring or he was going to get a ring tattoo. Dot could help with that. The sooner the better, because she shook her head to remind herself it didn't matter. He opened his eyes to meet Paisley's scrutiny honestly, without the normal flash of arrogance. I can't pay to stay here. I'm broke. Her chin didn't completely drop, but her lips parted a little. Josh had been voted most likely to succeed in high school, and she'd never doubted it for a minute. He looked rich in his shiny boots, designer jeans, and thick sweater. Even his messy hair appeared professionally styled. How could he possibly be broke, not to mention single? His gaze flicked to the floor, then up to meet hers. It's a long story, but let's just say two days ago I was ordering $1,000 bottles of wine, and now I can barely afford coffee. That would be quite a story. But it was none of her business. He'd be fine for a few more hours on the road. Then Sam could take care of him. Sam, the former soldier and firefighter, was good at rescuing people. Oh, sweetie! Dot enveloped one of his big hands between hers. I was in the same place when I arrived five years ago, but God provides, and I believe he brought you to us for a reason. Ash's jaw shifted side to side. He looked Paisley's way. He probably wasn't used to charity. She lifted her eyebrows in response. How silly of her to think Dot would actually let him go. Dot liked being a part of everyone's business. She wasn't only a coffee shop owner and tattoo artist in training, Dot was a rescue hero in her own right. You'll never believe this, but Dot turned sideways to motion towards Paisley. Uh oh. Paisley has a whole bunkhouse at her ranch. Nobody is using it right now. In fact, If you need money, she could hire you. Paisley took back her former sentiment, Dot Ruined Lives.
0: Thanks, Angela, for reading from your book, Finding Love in Big Sky, Montana. Appreciate you doing that. Here's a poem by Diane Eggy, Morning Walk in Vail. I trip my feet in snow that's deep. My hands are froze. My nose is cold to enjoy the incredible... I must do the inevitable, go for a walk in the snow. Its beauty is amazing, seven inches of fluff. Ski hard, you powder snow buffs. As for me, it's time to see snowflakes through window panes. Coffee in hand by the fireplace.
1: Thanks, Diane, for a fun winter poem. Diane's a friend from Wyoming we've known for a lot of years. We are privileged today to have a second author drive clear across town to read for us on this Christmas podcast. Sheila Eisman has written a children's Christmas story. We'll ask her to uh, read her story, and then we'll have her share her writing journey and tell us her inspiration for this particular story. The
2: Christmas Tin, written by Sheila Faye Eisman and Allie Faith Putts, illustrated by Kathy Richardson. Four-year-old Lizzie, with her left hand resting on the frosting bowl and her right index finger dripping with peppermint icing, Inquired of Grandma on this most special of Saturday afternoons in mid-December. Grandma Bison, what's a memory, anyway? I heard you and Mama talking about that all day long. I counted on my fingers, and I think you even used that word five times. That's a lot. Grandma said, Sweetie? It's like a special person or something in your life that you think about a long time after it happens. Do you remember the day you got to play dress-up with your friend Gabby's mama's fancy clothes? Well, you made a memory that day. Oh, I think I get it now, answered Lizzie, still manifesting somewhat of a puzzled look on her delicate, heart-shaped face. So can you tell me a memory about when you were a little girl like me? Grandma continued, Since we are making Christmas cutout cookies today, I do have a favorite little story to tell you. I grew up on a farm where there were cows, chickens, and horses, reminisced Grandma. We had a lot of little kids in our family. Sometimes there were not very many presents under the tree after Santa Claus came down the chimney of our house the night before Christmas. Lizzie, ever the quizzical one, interrupted her grandma with, "'Wait, maybe Santa won't be able to deliver our presents this year "'because we don't have a chimney.' "'Uh, what's a chimney, anyway? "'When Papa read me a Santa book, I think I saw a picture of one, "'but I'm not sure.' "'It's such a funny word,' chimed Lizzie, "'and it sounds like something Mama puts on her toast in the mornings for breakfast "'or that car thing that the neighbor kid Ian rides in the street.' Grandma, a smile gracing her face, resumed the conversation. It is something that is built into a house so the smoke or fumes from a fire can escape. Our farmhouse had a chimney because we had a wood-burning stove in the living room. But don't worry your pretty little head about Santa getting the gifts inside your house just because you don't have a chimney. He will find a way, I am sure of it. Impatient Lizzie, with her long, slender hands resting on her hips, pressed Grandma B for more. Are we to that memory part of your story yet? When I was about eight years old, which is four more years older than you are now, Grandma recalled, I had just come back into the house after helping to milk the dairy cows on Christmas morning. As I walked past the bedroom hallway, something gold and shiny caught my eye. I tiptoed near the edge of the Christmas tree to see if I could get a closer look at it. Lo and behold, it was a red and gold tin with all sorts of pretty designs and figures on top of the lid, Grandma explained. You mean lib, don't you, Grandma? corrected Lizzie, because when she tried to pronounce the word lid, it seemed to come out as lib. Lib. Wise old Grandma Bison did not attempt to correct her adorable granddaughter as she knew from raising her own children that the accurate pronunciation of words would be achieved soon enough. Grandma proceeded with her favorite little story about the pretty tin. Before she opened it, my mama informed us that one of her sisters had sent it to all of our family as a special gift and the contents were made with love from the heart. "'Oh, I think I know what it was,' exclaimed Lizzie. "'It was probably some doll clothes, "'because Taunty Peake made something "'for Lucy W.'s little dolly "'that had little red hearts all over it. "'You know, that one she brings to my house "'when she comes over for a play day.' "'Yes, that would definitely be something "'made with love,' Grandma agreed. "'But in the colorful container sent by my Aunt Aline, "'my mamma's younger sister, "'there was fudge with nuts Decorated cookies, peppermints, slices of holiday bread, and even some old-fashioned taffy made during a small-town taffy pull. We were treated to the yummiest homemade goodies you would ever want to eat. With there being eight of us in the family, we had to share the gift because it was not a very big Christmas can. Grandma resumed telling her Christmas morning discovery, I can still remember what those holiday treats looked and tasted like, even though it's been many years ago. Sweet memories stay in our hearts forever. With a twinkle in her eyes, sweet-spirited little Lizzie Lou suggested to Grandma Bison, I have a great idea. We can ask my mama for a pretty round thing and put some of our frosted cookies in there. Lizzie's creativity continued. Then we can give it to somebody and tell them that it's made with love from the heart. I think they will get what that means, don't you? And then when I get old, wear glasses, and have big teeth like you do, I can tell my kids the memory story too. I am sure that whoever receives your tin will know that every cookie was baked, decorated, and packed with lots of love, reassured Grandma, because love truly is the greatest gift Of all, the end. Thanks, Sheila, for reading that. That's fun.
0: So, tell us while you're here, tell us what inspired you to write this book.
2: Thank you, Steve. Each year during the holidays, my daughter and granddaughter and I would get together and bake cookies. And so that sparked the memory of when I grew up as a young child. And my Aunt Aline sent us the special Christmas tin that year. So, I got together with my daughter and granddaughter and my oldest daughter, who's a freelance artist and graphic designer, and we put together the book and made a memory. And it's just been a really fun one. I read it in the public schools and public libraries. And I put on a little apron, and I have a little Christmas bear that sits on a little school desk, and she has a little Christmas dress. And so I take all that to the school, and the kiddos just kind of sit cross-legged around my feet, and I sit in a chair, and I read the story to them, and it's just really been a favorite one of theirs, and so I've really enjoyed it.
0: What started you on your writing journey?
2: Well, I spoke at a women's conference in 2007 up at the uh, Nazareth Center on Five Mile, and following that, I just penned my first Bible study and then um, just discovered how much I liked writing, and then an interesting thing happened. I kind of checked in both family trees And found out that there were female writers on both sides of my family, my mother's and my dad's. And so um, I'm on my tenth book now, and I guess, as they say, the rest is history. Recently, I was able to
1: participate in an ICANN event, and I know Sheila is a big part of that organization. So, Sheila, please tell us a little bit more about it.
2: Thank you, Becky. ICANN stands for Idaho Creative Author Network, and we just have a collective heart to help other authors write their books and get them published and this sort of thing. And so I'm pleased to say that we host two events a year, a Spring Writers Symposium and a Treasure Valley Writers Fest. And to date, we have helped authors publish seven books, and so it's just been a very rewarding journey. I wish there would have been something like this when I started to write, so we have just taken our collective experiences and help other authors fulfill their dreams.
0: Thank you, Sheila. We have appreciated your time with us. Thanks. Here's a poem, Christmas and New Year Bells, by Alfred Tennyson. The time draws near the birth of Christ. The moon is hid, the night is still. The Christmas bells from hill to hill answer each other in the mist. Four voices of four hamlets round from far and near on mead and moor swell out and fail as if a door were shut between me and the sound. Each voice four changes on the wind that now dilate and now decrease. Peace and goodwill, goodwill and peace, peace and goodwill to all mankind. This year I slept and woke with pain. I almost wished no more to wake and that my hold on life would break before I heard those bells again. But they, my troubled spirit, rule, for they controlled me when a boy. They bring me sorrow touched with joy, the merry, merry bells of Yule. Ring out, wild bells, to the wild sky, the flying cloud, the frosty light. The year is dying in the night. Ring out, wild bells, and let him die. Ring out the old, ring in the new, ring happy bells across the snow. The year is going, let him go. Ring out the false, ring in the true. Ring out the grief that saps the mind, for those that here we see no more. Ring out the feud of rich and poor. Ring in redress to all mankind. Ring out a slowly dying cause and ancient forms of party strife. Ring in the nobler modes of life with sweeter manners, purer laws. Ring out the want, the care, the sin, the faithless coldness of the times. Ring out... Ring out my mournful rhymes, but ring the fuller minstrel in. Ring out false pride in place and blood, the civic slander and the spite. Ring in the love of truth and right. Ring in the common love of good. Ring out old shapes of foul disease. Ring out the narrowing lust of gold. Ring out the thousand wars of old. Ring in the thousand years of peace. Ring in the valiant man and free, the larger heart, the kindlier hand. Ring out the darkness of the land. Ring in the Christ that is to be. That's it for now. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas and happy 2017.
3: (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find more of Becky Lyles under the pen name Rebecca Carey Lyles. Her most recent novels Winds of Wyoming and Winds of Freedom have both won awards and made the Amazon best-selling list. Steve well he just really needs to get his stuff published. If you have comments or suggestions send them to story at Beckylyles.com Tune in next week. For more tall tales and fun fables at Let Me Tell You A Story...